Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. All right, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Freeman. And for our next episode, I'm excited to have Craig Anderson, who is a seasoned networking and tech sales pro. Craig has worked at some of the biggest brands in the technology space, including AT&T, CA, and currently Juniper Networks. After 10 years of high-performance selling at Juniper Networks, Craig has built up some selling habits that we all should model. So I'm really looking forward to uh, today's discussion. Uh, Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast, Craig. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Really, really appreciate the opportunity to come on and and talk a little bit with you. Yeah, definitely. My, My pleasure. Well, um, so I gave a little bit of your background, but why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself and your background in tech sales? Yeah, so I think you covered the high points of, of where I've worked. I, I, uh, I'm based in Portland, Oregon, and I started in the business in about 1995, got out of college, was looking for, for a job, had a friend, said, hey, you know, I work for this company called Annexter. We've got an inside sales team, might want to come check it out. Lo and behold, that's how I got introduced to the to the industry and, and the rest is sort of history from there. And that's where we first met. That's right. Driving in the, uh, the VW yeah. van down in uh, Pleasanton, California. A couple of 22 year old guys trying to figure out how to make money. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, so over your career, uh, I mentioned a few of the companies that you worked at, you know, what's been one of the best sales positions in your career and why? Yeah. You know, it's, it's difficult. To answer that question, I'm not not that I'm trying to dodge it, but really every position I've ever had, you learn so much. And it's at a different phase in your life, whether it's your first job, when I started inside sales, or I wasn't really wasn't making much money, but I learned a ton to you know uh, uh, where I'm at today at Juniper as a senior major account manager. But I guess you know, I would the best way to answer is I've been here 12 years, I'm on my 13th year at Juniper. So that kind of speaks volumes for for where I think you know my career is, has probably gone the best and where the high points are. So it's, it's been a good run here. Yeah, no, that's a great run. You know, you mentioned uh, starting off in inside sales and um, this is just my opinion, but some of the best reps that I've known or, or reps that I would say have some of the best sales habits, so many of them have started off as an inside sales rep or some type of inside sales role. Yeah, I mean, I know it was a while ago, but you know, what are some of the things that you did back then that really influenced how you operated and how you how you sell, maybe even today? Well, I think you're right. It's a great foundation not only for building your technical chops in this industry, which Anastra did a great job. You remember they they spent a lot of time and money training us, which was huge. But I think the habits you develop around being really organized, how to talk to customers, even though it's just over the phone, it's not in person, but you still have to develop those communication skills and and how to build a rapport and really working in a team environment because you as an inside sales team I mean, we were in an open cubicle environment and we're helping each other out and we're interacting with 
field sales and other people. And so really building that camaraderie amongst the team and how to work with others. I think those were some of the key things that, that I took away from it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so Craig, if you think back over your career, um, it's hard to pick one, but what would you say was the most valuable lesson that you learned over the years? Oh man. Uh, there are so many, uh, just to, to pick one is, is, is really difficult, but you know, I think, you know, one example maybe is the best way to approach it. Sometimes, you know, early on, I learned the hard way that you, know, you, you can't really wing stuff, so to speak. You need to really have a plan and be prepared and be organized. And uh, it doesn't take too many bad experiences of not doing that to teach you that lesson. And so, so maybe that, that would be one thing that just popped into my head immediately. I think probably every salesperson that's come into the, you know, into this industry or any sales industry that's young, uh, they're going to learn that lesson at some point, hopefully earlier rather than later. Yeah. I'm curious. You have a story there where you didn't wing it. It didn't turn out so well. Uh, I think there was one, there was one time I was in inside sales. I, I remember, I think she actually, I just transitioned to a field sales role and it was a, a difficult meeting that I knew was going to, was going to happen. And, and, uh, and it was going to be contentious. Um, I won't get into all the details now. This is a long, long time ago. But I didn't do the proper preparation for it. And I, more importantly, I didn't prepare another individual who was going to be on the call well enough. And it didn't go well. Uh, it, it, it was just, it was not a good meeting. Uh, didn't have a good result. But, you know, I learned a lot from it. And I, again, I'm glad it was really early on in my career and it wasn't. It wasn't something that was going to be super impactful to my business, but it's still a really unpleasant, bad feeling to have. And, you know, you just, you just kind of lick your wounds and move on, but, but I learned from it. And I think that's the main thing. Yeah. We just touched on something and, and I'd like to go down a little bit of a rat hole for a moment, but you know, you're bringing somebody into an account and, you know, some of the most successful sales reps out there, they're not doing it as a uh, as an individual. They're doing it as a team. They're bringing in resources, bringing in executives. And you and I have talked over the years. You do. A, I know you've done a really great job leveraging your executives and other management team members within the organization, all the way up to the CEO. Um, so, mm-hmm. what are some of the best practices you do when you're going to bring in an executive, even a you know a high level, mid level executive, whatever it might be? What do you do to prepare them to ensure that one, they're successful and two, you know, you're getting the outcome that you're looking for from the meeting? Yeah, sure. Well, in most larger companies, you know, the especially if you're at a, a higher level, the CEO or something like that, their team has a document that they want you to fill out to help prepare them, which is good. We should do that anyway, but they formalize that process. But that that to me is just the beginning. You have to have that conversation about exactly. What role you want them to play? What's the objective of of the meeting? What's our what we what's the outcome we're trying to get to? What are the potential curveballs that are going to come their way that maybe they wouldn't know or don't expect? You can't always predict all those, but to the extent that you can prepare them as much as possible for any possible outcome, it's a good result for for us. It makes them more comfortable, and ultimately we can. You know, deliver for the customer in that meeting much better. So, I think that's that's uh, those are some of the key takeaways. But I, to your earlier point, I think it's really important 
to, you know, have to know when to, to engage them, who's the right person to engage, and what's the right timing. It, it's not something you can do across the board with all your customers. No executive can scale to that level. But you pick your, you pick your spots, and you, and you got to be smart about it, and it can be really, really effective. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're, you're, this is not for everybody, but, you know, the other thing to, to really consider when doing that is, uh, it's such an opportunity for you as an individual sales rep to raise your brand within the company. Uh, you know, maybe you want to move up the management chain or or maybe you just want to raise your brand because, you know, as you look at some point, you're going to get into a tough situation where you need help. You need to ask a favor. You need the product team to go step up to really support one of your customers. This is one fantastic way to build your brand as long as you execute well when bringing that executive out to the field. Right. Totally agree. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of comments on that, if, if I may. Sure. It's not natural for me uh, to do that. This is something that I have to work at deliberately. And I still, I can do a better job. Uh, I'm one of those guys that you know, I like to do the work. I like to do quality work and let that speak for itself and, and you know, not, not try to, you know, go out and gain recognition or, or do those types of things. But, you know, there's, there's a, I, I think there's a happy medium there of, of, you, they need to know who you are. They need to know your brand. You need to be able to have them as resources that you can leverage. And they only can do that if they're interacting with you. At the same time, you know, you don't want to overdo it because ultimately you're there to do a job and they're paying you to do a job. Mm-hmm. So you need to execute on that. You need to show them that you're doing quality work for the company and you're taking care of your customers. But the other thing I want to mention about personal brand, to me, this is really important. Much, much more important to me personally is how my brand is outside of the company. My own personal brand far exceeds anything having to do with any company or employer that I have. It's your integrity. It's the way you uh, you are authentic with other customers and people, and just how you operate as an individual. Because companies and jobs they come and go for for most people. You you move on to another another company or. The company, you know, decides to go a different direction or you get let go or whatever, but your personal brand is always with you. And I just, to me, that's super important. And I, I just, I try to spend time doing that deliberately. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point. And uh, I just had released an episode, I don't know, a week or two ago, sort of along those same, uh, that same line of thinking that, you know, you ultimately own your sales career. And it was really a topic around how are you managing your contacts, managing your all of your customer contacts. You know, you might have a set of contacts at one company, maybe you leave and you have a different role. But at the end of the day, you know, your contacts are your contacts for your career, regardless of what company you're at. And so, uh, kind of layering on the the idea of uh, your brand and how you service them and add value. I mean, that is what's going to create a very profitable long term sales career in the high tech space. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, just like salespeople move around, customers move around. And so, you know, you, you need to be able to follow them to where they're going so that you can leverage those relationships. And, and it starts with your brand, right? Yeah. Um, if you got a good brand, you're going to find them and they're going to be receptive to talking to you no matter what you're doing or what you're trying to sell or, or whatever you're doing in your career. You still have that rapport. It's super important. I love that when a customer comes in from another company, somebody you worked with in the past, and now they're in a, a different account that you currently manage. Maybe you're with a different company, and it's so awesome because, in a way, you've already done the selling years ago. 
right? It's, uh, yeah, maybe the technology's changed a little bit, but uh, a lot of the work has already been done and you're benefiting from that. Um, and it's, it starts to get some exponential benefit as you it progress does. down the road. Well, the other thing, you know, that people don't think about this, I don't think as much, and, and I don't spend maybe as much time on it, but, you know, building your brand with competitors, there's an element to that, right? Because one minute you're competing against each other, the next minute that person could be, become part of your team. You just yeah. never know. So just building that brand across all of those different elements, whether it's customers or colleagues or competitors to the extent that you can or whoever you interact with, um, all of those pay dividends later. Yeah, totally true. Well, we may have touched on um, a few of these, but Craig, you've experienced success year over year. In fact, you were a number one rep uh, one year and then number two the following year. What do you, uh, so I think you've got some insight here. What separates the top performers from the rest of the pack? Well, you know, I think a lot of it is just, there's a lot of blocking and tackling, but the first thing you got to do is you got to have a plan. You know, if you, if you don't come into a, a given year and, and outline a good detailed plan that you can execute against, it's going to be a struggle. And it, it's never the same every year because things change. You know, your account mix changes, your territory changes, the company's focus could change or their products and, and solutions. So all of those things are fluid and moving, but you have to build a plan each year to go attack that. So I think that's first and foremost, it's foundational. And then you, you have to be able to mobilize all of your teammates, whether that's you know, your engineering counterparts, your management team, your overlays, your specialists, all the different all the different folks that help you be successful, because I think you mentioned it earlier, you know, it's not one person, right? Very few sales jobs are sales folks, I should say, are successful on their own, particularly in high tech. It just, it just can't happen. There's too many complexities, too many moving parts. You need that extended team. So I think, I think that's a, a key element. And then, you know, it's just really just, again, the blocking and tackling, you know, you're making the calls, you're, you're attacking the right customers. You're trying to position the right things where customers need them and just, just executing diligently in an organized way. If you do those things, it sets you up for a pretty good chance of, of having, having success. Now, having said that, there's always some elements of luck, right? I mean, some customers button down the hatches in a given year, and they're, they're not going to spend money. It doesn't matter how good of a sales guy or, or woman that you are. It's just not going to happen. But if you diversify your account base, you know, hopefully that evens out and you know, it just you can still have a good quality year, you know, in spite of some challenges. So yeah, I, I think that having thoughts. that plan, you know, I've heard of, you know, obviously I, I totally buy into that. And I've heard a lot of uh, a lot of people refer back to that as really part of their foundation to success. So when you're thinking about your plan, right, we're at the beginning of the year, you know, what are some of the key components? that you focus on when creating a good quality plan for the year? Well, um, the first thing I look at is, okay, what customers do I have in my past this year? And I do some research, especially if they're newer or they're a prospect, then I'm going to put more diligence into that because if it's a customer I've been working with, which I've got several, I've worked with for several years. So I, I know how they operate. I'm pretty up to speed on what their initiatives are, where their pain points are, what their projects are, funding. But I do some of that due diligence with them as we move forward, you know, just to understand, okay, you know, what are the key things 
that are important to them? What are they going to be focused on? Where do they want to spend money based on the challenges that they've got? And then we need to be able to support them in that way. So, you know, really focusing on the solutions that are going to address those areas. And, you know, to the extent that there are other newer things that they may want to start exploring, we'll talk about those things, but we need to be focused on what they're focused on. So we spend a lot of time doing that. But really that that initial preparation of just understanding, you know, what your customers are doing, who they are, how they operate, what's important to them, what are their challenges, and then trying to go build a plan with them to help them accomplish those things and and then just execute from there. I love it. Focus on what they're yeah. focusing on. I mean, how many times have we had managers, VPs, whatever, it's like, you need to go focus on this product, you know, and it's, yeah. it's great, but Hey, um, it doesn't matter if that's not in line with what the customer's focusing on. We first need to understand where they're coming from and then we can go sort of work our way in with the right solution, right value. No, you're right. I, customers are more and more these days to me, uh, it's always been the case, but I think it's accelerated because they're just bombarded with, you know, salespeople and, and emails and, you know, social media stuff just coming at them, right? Um, but they don't want to hear everything that, that your company can do. They want to talk about the things that are important to them. So if you come in and you want to give them the whole long overview of all your solutions and blah, 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 you're going to lose them in a meeting. Right. It's, just, it's just noise. So focus on the things that matter to them and things that you can help them with. And I think that that will help drive success. sales pros. I hope you are enjoying the High Tech Freedom Podcast. If you are interested in learning more about passively investing in multifamily real estate, you can download our educational ebook at hightechfreedom.com. While there, you can also sign up for our newsletter where we will provide insights on real estate investing, as well as sales tips so that you can continue to crush it in your high tech sales role. Now, I often hear people say, eh, I'll get to that later or uh, I'll read that book later. Well, there's no time like the present to improve your knowledge. So I hope you take advantage of at least the newsletter. In the meantime, please reach out if I can help out in any way. Now let's get back to the show. Well, you mentioned uh, one of the things you do really well or that, that you feel separates top performers made from the rest of the pack is you, you focus on blocking and tackling, doing some of the basics, doing them well. And I've actually used you as an example many times with my sales teams. And, you know, being that we lived in the same, same city and mm -hmm. uh, we were on the same team, I had an opportunity to go on a number of ride-alongs with you. And one thing that you did consistently time after time is you would open up the meeting pretty much the same way every time. Kind of start off the meeting, go over the agenda, go over the objectives, restate what we think the problem is or the challenge is that the customer's having, what we've done so far, what we're thinking we can do to address it as a vendor, uh, and then ask it, hey, is that still the case? Has anything changed? And I've, I was always surprised at the number of times where they would come back and say, yes, something has changed. We got acquired, our C CIO quit, your competitor was in here two hours before you and just blew our mind. And, you know, it was such, it's such a great foundational thing that I always appreciated that you did because I've also been on lots of calls where reps get, you know, do the introduction, hand over to their SE, 
wind them up and go. And halfway mm-hmm. into it, you realize, oh, crud, the landscape has changed. Yeah. Do you still no, do that? I do. Yeah. I mean, there's three kind of foundational things I guess I look at is one is you got to set the agenda. You mentioned that. And that can be informal or formal, depending on the meeting and who you're meeting with and what the environment is and, and all that stuff. Um, but you got to have that validated with the customer because the customer wants to focus on the things they care about, right? So when you're validating it, you're, you're basically saying, are these the things you care about? And they're going to say, yeah, it is. Or no, I don't care about that. That's not important to me. Let's trim this down. But maybe this area is. So let's adjust the agenda. Great. They appreciate the fact that you're focused on the things they want to do in a meeting and get accomplished, not you just setting this agenda about you know, all the things you want to talk about. So that's number one. Number two, take notes. You know, I, I think that's something that I, I've seen other people not do. And I always sit there and scratch my head like, you really think you're going to remember everything from this meeting? Your memory is not that good. Nobody's paper, is. Paper or a laptop? I, you know, I've done both. I actually prefer a notebook. It, it seems to work better for me. I don't want to take my laptop out and do all that stuff. The other thing that I found is when you're typing on a laptop in a meeting with a customer, you're losing that eye contact. And I would always tell them when I when I was doing this more so, I said, you know, I'm just I'm taking notes here. Like I don't want them to think I'm, you know, on the internet or looking at email or doing some stuff like that, which, you know, could be something that their mind's wandering to. So I think to me, you know, having a notebook out and writing it down is two things. One, I think it's more personal. Um, it keeps the attention better. And two, I just find that I retain the information better if I'm writing it down rather than typing it onto my computer or an iPad or something like that. I'm not saying that's right. That's what works for me. The third thing, going back to the original question. So agenda, validation, formal or informal. Two, copious notes, write them down. Three, you better have a good summary at the end. Action items, follow-up items, validate those with the customer, make sure you got it all covered. and then. You know, that to me, if you can walk away with a good list, that's a successful meeting. Not all meetings are successful, right? Sometimes that action list, action list or, or follow-up list is shorter than I'd like it to be. Um, but the, the exercise of going through that, that progression, to me, for me personally, has worked well. So, And this is coming from somebody that's been well over plan many, 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 many years. So... Uh... You know, that's just a, it's you know sales is a process. We don't have to go recreate the whole process and you know get crazy with some of the things that we do. Um, if you're doing the basics and you're doing the basics consistently and have a process, your process may be different than Craig's process, but you need to have a process that you do consistently and in the and in in a, in a repeatable way. Um, that way you can tweak it. If something's working, do more of that. If something's not quite working, well, obviously uh, dial that back. Yeah, well, I'm I'm always looking. At, I know you're this way, Chris. Um, you know, we're, we both try to be organized, but I'm always looking for efficiencies. I hate inefficiencies, so I don't want to do things, you know, on a one-off if I can help it, or focus on things that aren't really going to contribute to my business. There's lots of noise in a given day. A lot of it comes from within your company, mm-hmm. right? All these things they want you to do, and you know, there's there's just noise, but. The more you can become efficient, the better you're going to be at productivity. 
and you can get a lot more done in the same time period. And that's that's the goal, right? Um, we want to work smarter. We're all going to work hard, but if we work smart, we're going to get better results. Yeah. And the more you can be working on revenue generating activities, just the happier you're going to be as a sales rep. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes some people are going to get annoyed that you're not doing things that they would want you to do, maybe some a colleague or something in the company. And I just tell them, like, listen, this is not my priority. My priority is this. My customer wants this, this, and this. I'll get to that, but you got to understand, it's it's just not at the top of my list. My customers come first, and that's what I'm going to focus on. I'll get to it when I get to it. And they're not the ones that have to stand up at the QBR the next quarter and say why they did or didn't get something done, right? At the end of the no. day, it's it's you've got to deliver it. No, no. Yeah. Well, well, you hey, do uh, that respectfully, right? You do that oh, respectfully. Yeah. They have a job to do. I respect that. I want to give them what they what they've asked for, but I'm very clear about my priorities, and I and I think that just being direct and authentic about it is people appreciate it. Yeah, they do. Well, so um, you know, with your uh, some of the things that you've accomplished, what sacrifices have you made to achieve at a high level in your role? Uh, so personally or professionally or both? Yeah. yeah, both. Yeah. I mean, personally, you know, it's time away from the family mainly, right? I mean, I've had, you know, different roles where, you know, I'm on the road more and, you know, traveling is, is, you know, difficult when you have young kids. And so that, uh, that would be the biggest sacrifice, I would say. But I, I would counter that with, I've, I've always been focused on making sure that that doesn't get out of hand. Mm-hmm. And to the extent that I've had opportunities to do more in the leadership realm, and I've decided to stay in a rep role uh, because I want to be with my kids and, and coach them in sports and be here for games at the age that that they are or they were. Now they're getting older. but you know, as they were young and that was super important to me. So I, I modified my career plans a little bit to accommodate for that. And that's not necessarily a permanent thing. It's, it's a season of life. My kids are getting older now and they're getting more independent. And so maybe things change, Uh, but that was just something for me that was important. And it's, I firmly believe it's an individual decision. I don't, I'm not saying that I've got it right or wrong, but for me personally and for my family, that was the right thing to do. And I have no regrets. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Now, you, you don't really have that perspective when you're younger. Um, you know, you have the ability now to look back and, and have a, you know, a, a different perspective on things. But uh, I do think, and I know I was this way, a lot of early career reps, you know, they're hungry for the next move. They want to get into yeah. leadership. And, uh, you know, now that my kids 16 and 18, I realize, oh, wow, I have a lot more time now where I can go do be on the road more, put more time into the uh, into the role, and I'm not really missing as much because my son's driving to football practice and he doesn't want me there. Right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just you know, you don't always have to be in a rush. Uh, lots of time to get it all done. So okay, so Craig, so you, you you're out there, you're crushing it, um, you're doing really well, probably making a bunch of money. Uh, I'm curious. You know, one of the things I always like to dig into is you know, once you've made it, um, what do you do with it? With the commission? Yeah. How do you, yeah. you invest it, well, spend it all? Yeah. So I I have a uh, sort of a methodology. And it, this is like a family decision. It's not, you know, my decision. But we have we got three things. And they all start with an S. We save, we spend, and we give. Sorry. And they all start with an S. 
So save, spend, and give. And the most important are the save and the give, right? So we, we need to make sure that we're saving for the kids' college. We need to make sure that we're saving for retirement. We need to make sure that we're saving for things that we need to buy, whether it's a car or, or whatever it might be. And, and then the giving, like that's super important for us. The things that are important to our family, things that we feel connected to, um, that we're drawn to. So we, we make sure that we're diligent in that way. And then the, and the rest is, you know, spend, right? You know, daily livings, you know, vacation, splurge here and there. Uh, and so that's, that's been our approach. Yeah. Uh, uh, what are, uh, what are some of the things that you give to or that you're passionate about? Um, there's, there's some uh, charities that, that we give to uh, medical foundations for one. So for research, uh, there's some, some uh, opportunities there that we, that we really like to get involved with. Uh, my wife's passionate about autism. She's an autism specialist. So there's a, uh, you know, Monday we give to causes in that regard. We we give to you know crisis events, whether it's COVID or or the things that that we we see as you know big global problems. So we think it's important to be a part of the solution there. Uh, we do some things through our church, and and the really that extends into other areas. And I'll give you an example of that: is you know through through giving to the church, they're supporting causes like homelessness in Guatemala, for example, or um, children causes that are, you know, third world countries where they don't have water. And so we're talking about like building wells, you know, very basic things for people that, you know, we just take for granted every day. I mean, water is life and they don't have fresh water. So just things like that. Um, there are others, but I think that gives you an idea of some of the, some of the things that we're, well, we feel is important and we spend money and, and invest in. Yeah, that's great. And I, I just think it's, I think in life, it's probably pretty hard to be wildly successful if you don't start with having some type of, of giving back mindset. Um, and there's just lots of examples in the world that, you know, the more you give, the more you receive. And you, you should be giving because you want to receive, but it's just one of those natural benefits that just seems to work out that way. So. Um, yeah, you no, totally, totally agree. Totally agree. And, you know, some of these causes we give to anonymously, you know, we don't want any, you know, we don't want to get people emailing us or calling us or thanking us, but, you know, that's nice, but we'd rather just give because we feel the desire and we want to help and just leave it at that. So, yeah. That's good stuff. Well, Hey, so what's next for you? What do you, what do you envision for the next uh, stage of your career? Yeah, it's a good question. And I wish I had a clear answer for you. And I don't. I mean, I, it's, it's something that I think about, think about different ideas and, and, and potential approaches and, and avenues to take. But I haven't really, I haven't made up my mind. Um, I like what I'm doing. And, you know, I feel like I've still got some, some time to continue to do that. And, and hopefully, you know, be fortunate enough to to have success and, and sort of take it from there. At some point I'll make a, a you know, a decision um, that's more definitive and find the path, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. Where the path will find you. <laughs> or the path will find me, but you know, you're, you're the whole mantra of this high tech freedom is really figuring out, okay, now that I've, if I get that freedom, I get to make that choice. 
And right. I get to make that choice in my timeline and not have to worry about, uh, you know, financially, can I do this? You know, or is this going to put us in a bad spot? And it's all about creating flexibility. So right now, my goal is I want to get to that flexibility mm-hmm. so that I don't have to worry about whatever decision I make. It's going to be something that I can really enjoy and, and not have to have any stress about. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, hey, before we wrap up, is there anything else mm-hmm. that you would like to share with the audience? Uh, no, I mean, I, I'll just tell you, I, I would just say I, I appreciate the fact that you're doing this podcast. I've listened to the episodes that you've already released. There's two or three of them, I think. Um, so I listen to them when I'm exercising, and that's a way for me to sort of unplug from you know, the stresses of life. But it's also a time for me to learn. And I've taken away something at least one nugget, if not more, from every single one. And that is something that everybody, no matter how successful you've been, there's always something more you can do to improve your skills, to try something new. Um, there's something I haven't thought about or you know, nobody's thought about, whatever. You're, there's always something to better yourself or create a better skill and be more successful in your job. So I just, I think it's a great, great opportunity for people to, to really, you know, listen to, to folks. And I'm not saying I've got anything for anybody to, to be helpful here, but I'm, I'm going to continue to plug into those and take something away. And I, I take little notes and I'm like, yeah, you know, I should try that. You know, I never thought about that and super, super helpful. So thanks for doing it. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for the kind words. I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, that point is about learning, right? It's, if you're not learning, you're dying. Or I'm sorry, if you're not growing, you're dying. And, you know, any endeavor you do, whether it's a, uh, maybe you're going to listen to a podcast or maybe you're going to go to some work seminar or conference. Uh, maybe you're going to do something outside of work. One of the things, I, and I heard this a while back, but I always try to approach it to say, hey, can I get one idea out of this? Or can I meet one person and, and turn that into a $10,000 idea or $10,000 uh, engagement. You know, if it's just something that I can tweak in my business that can change my inc- income by 10 grand or, or somehow turn into 10 grand over time, you know, it's worth it. So I love the always be learning. I, you know, I just, we're never done. So um, as soon as you, as soon as you stop learning, you know, you start to, you start to slow down and, and go backwards. So uh, thanks for saying that. Yeah. I mean, no, no problem. I, I mean, it's true. And you know, I would just add to that, if you're a successful seller um, and you think there's nothing more for you to learn, you're wrong. Sales is the most humbling um, career. I'm sure there are others, but you know, this is one of those careers that it can humble you in a, in a moment's notice. You know, <laughs> things can be going great and then all of a sudden they're not. And so I, I just, you know, I appreciate folks that are in sales and 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 that are always wanting to hone that craft because it will help them uh, make sure that those humbling moments happen much less. Good stuff. Well, Craig, how can listeners reach out to you if they would like to connect? Yeah, happy to, happy to connect. You can reach me on LinkedIn. Just search up Craig Anderson. I know it's a common name, but um, look for Portland, Oregon, and, and you'll find me, Juniper Networks, my current employer, so you can search that up. You can uh, reach out to me directly on email. It's uh, Craig, C-R-A-I-G underscore Anderson, S-O-N 
at hotmail.com. Or you can call me on my mobile phone or text me at 503-702-9040. Great. Well, Craig, thank you for taking the time to join me today. It was really nice to catch up. Great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.